Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Welcome back to this week's episode of Dig In. It's a very special episode. Um, it's a packed episode. We've got our four founders on the call. We've got Dom, Paul, Ian, and Michael joining us to chat about the history of Dig, um, talk a little bit about what's happened over the last 12 years to make us the company we are today, and then what the future of Dig looks like, um, Dig and Upside. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Hi, Megan. Thank you. Hello. That's the, that's um, the level of excitement we have right now. <laughs> hi. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of cool to be interviewing, I guess, all my bosses. It's, uh, it's interesting. Exciting to have you guys on the pod. Ian, you're usually in, in this role, so um, this time you're in the hot seat. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about the history of DIG now that we've rebranded. Um, I wanted to get a, a sense of what is that like origin story, the thing that founders always get asked, you know, how did you guys set up? Um, Michael, do you want to run us through that? Yeah, sure. And, and anyone else, feel free to jump in if I, if I miss anything. So first of all, just the, the sort of technical bit of it is we were founded in middle of 2010. So it's now the, heading into the middle of 2022. So it's around our 12th year anniversary. I think it was around June or July uh, of 2010 when we got started. And you know, it's, it's hard to say why, why did we do it? It's hard to give a really succinct answer. And I think anytime you talk to founders, they tend to say, well, we wanted to do something different or better. So what does different or better look like for us? I think there were a few elements to it. I think one of the elements was the use of technology. So around 2010, you know, as you know, since, you know, the dawn of time, probably technology has been changing really quickly. But around 2010, we saw a lot more use of mobile and the research industry as a whole hadn't yet pivoted to really be mobile focused. So that was a big thing for us. The other thing that we really wanted to do is make more use of analytics and data modeling. A few things there, we wanted to be able to visualize data in a different way to give our clients a sense of what things literally look like when we talk about, well, what does is, what is the market look like? We wanted to create those data visualizations. And then we also wanted to be able to present data in a more business focused way. So rather than the traditional focus within research of presenting percentages, you know, 80% like blue and 70% like red, we wanted to be able to present to our clients more business metrics. So things like units and dollars and volume and profitability, those sorts of things. And then I think the last component of it is we wanted to have a bit of a different working environment. So different from your typical agency. And what that meant for us is more collaborative. We had to be collaborative because there's four of us. <laughs> there couldn't be sort of one dominating personality. And then the other side of that was uh, a company that sort of was a little bit flatter and more encouraged creativity. So with the idea that creativity can come from anywhere, we can explore things and try different things. I think that was, uh, that was really important to us. I don't know if I missed anything, but those are the things that, uh, that uh, stand out to me is, is why we came together. Well, I was like, can I work for free? Is there any way I can get rid of this pesky paycheck? That was what I was looking for. That was the most fun part of the beginning. This unused line of credit is really fun. Yeah. I I agree with everything Michael said, and those are all very sound, rational reasons. But I think there was a very emotional part of it, too, is that, you know, we we met working in a different agency. And I just think we all felt like we could do something like it was betting on ourselves. You know, we've been doing it for many years, you know, and I think we just knew that if we really rolled, we'd 
rolled up our sleeves before, we could we could create something. And we didn't really know exactly what it would look like, but I think we knew that the hard work that we'd been doing to that point, if we just kept doing it for ourselves, it, it would eventually pay off. So. I mean, I, I, think I, I was just going to do whatever you guys were doing. So I was just following suit. That's it. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> kind of sweet. I love that. <laughs> um, I hear it wasn't always called dig as well. Is that a rumor or is that true? That is true. It was originally called art, which art marketing um, insight. Well, yes, that's true. My email <laughs> was dominic.atkinson at art marketing insight. It wrapped around to the back of my business card. <laughs> that, that is very true. I, I abbreviated to art because it sounds slightly less ridiculous. Uh, it was, it actually illustrates the value of research because it's a name that I came up with by myself. And I was like, that's cool. And I just sort of made it the name and everyone just sort of went with it. But then when we ever we explained it to people, they didn't get it because they thought we were like a design agency or an advertising agency. And our names were all, our names were all art. Yeah, that was the other thing. Yeah. In addition to being way Do you guys all go by art? We all go by art. Yes. <laughs> For a while, we were known as the guys from art. And then we were the guys from dig. And now, now eventually, of course, we're. And why no S? What, we just had one insight that we were <laughs> yeah. shopping around. That was to keep the name length manageable. I didn't want to have the S. <laughs> that way it was manageable. The actual inspiration was uh, a quote from Andy Warhol. I'm a big Andy Warhol fan. And he said something along the lines of the greatest art is succeeding in business. And I thought that was actually really cool because it's true that like say Andy Warhol is starting out, he's making paintings. There's a million painters out there. How do you break through? How do you get attention? How do you drive demand and create desire to, to own what you've created? And I thought it was sort of the same thing for us where there's a million research agencies. Someone I know for a very long time actually discouraged me from doing this because she's like, there's a million research agencies. Why do we need a million and one? But I thought it's true, there are a million. Um, but how can you create something that's different that stands out from the market that, that people desire. That is a certain art and there's an art and a science there. And I thought that was a cool name. And, and then no one got it. No one got the Andy Warhol reference, but uh, there it is. And then we changed it to dig. Well, now they will. Everyone's <laughs> gonna listen. Everyone's gonna tune into this. Now they'll, now they'll know. Um, and I like that you stuck with the three letters, art and dig. Um, there you go. It's unfortunate, I, though, that everyone thought that Dig was now Dominic, Ian, and Gadette, and then they just you know, left you out of it. So there's that. My standard reply to that is, I'm the insight. <laughs> so I, I, still, I still have a role. I still have a role. <laughs> um, well, can I give one funny story on the branding? For a while, our phone, whenever we called someone, the display on the other end, it, it, instead of saying Dig Insight, it said Big Insight because someone at Bell Canada or Rogers had put in the wrong name on the account. So we would always answer them as Dig Insight, home of the Big Insight. <laughs> I love that. For several months where we, that's what was our call. To Still speak. true. We are the home of the Big Insight. Right. True. <laughs> just one, just one Big just Insight. One big Any other funny memories from when you guys started out? Oh my God. Or memorable, they don't have to be funny, but just interesting fodder. I mean, we started out, we started out in Michael's basement. That's where we started out. That yeah, was, those uh, our first of four offices. And uh, I, I remember the first week we were all sitting there in the, Michael's basement. There's no air conditioning. And his dog, his puppy Max, came in and sat in the middle between all four of us and just took a dump on the floor and left. And it was kind of like <laughs> not a vote of confidence. <laughs> 
<laughs> Things are going really well. I'm so mad. <laughs> it, it, it was only up from there. We're like things can things can only get better. <laughs> okay, I, just... but I remember like our, I mean like we've we've come a long way. I mean we we're in you know Michael's basement at the beginning where obviously dogs were free to take shits on the ground. Uh, you know, we we graduated to uh, our first office, which was literally just a room inside of an office building, but uh, that we would l have dirty dishes into a bin that I would take home every evening, put them through our dishwasher and return the next day as bin of clean dishes. I don't know why I did that. And it was so we heavy. No running, we had no running water. Then. No, I get why we, why, like I did, why I did it. Cause we had no running water, but I don't know why I had to do it all the time. We didn't question it. Heavy, it was a heavy bin, but that was, you know, that was, a, that was our first true actual office. It was a, it was a cool little spot down in uh, Queen and Spadina. And I feel like for anyone who's tuning in and doesn't know dig super well, there are 200, almost 200 employees now. So it is not still the four founders with Max in the basement. <laughs> yeah, no, and then we graduated in, from that office and went to the top floor of a, a Spanish-speaking school, and uh, and that was a fun office too. But still, you know, you're on top of a language school, so you know we were we we're trying to you know find the the best rent in town in downtown Toronto. And I think now we've. I'd say we've kind of made it. We're on we're on the nicest building on our block. Why well, I, I lie completely. We're on the, on the on the not so nicest building on our block, but right in the core of downtown Toronto, and it's pretty cool office space. So we've we've come a long way. Definitely. But it's but it's close to Seven Eleven. So. Well, that was the attraction. That's why we. we that's the reason why we got it. You guys when, are big Seven Eleven fans. When we moved into the office, Ian. And a couple of our colleagues went downstairs and bought every single hot item from 7-Elevens, all the taquitos and everything. And we had a tasting menu. It was, uh, it was fantastic. Yeah. I love you know, that. We only lost one person. What I, what I love about <laughs> Salmonella. <laughs> what I love about the early days though, is just like, and I, I think it goes back to that idea of collaborating and, and taking risks and trying things. Like we, we kind of supported each other in, in whatever it, it is we wanted to do. Like, you know, whether it was selling a client on a new approach or, even if it was like a, a new marketing technique that uh, that Ian wanted to do with literally sending out people postcards uh, as a new way to <laughs> entice business with a, it was a postcard that was a picture of a postcard that actually said, wish you were here with a question mark. As in like, you know, do you wish that you were part of DIG or working with DIG? Do you wish that you were here? Um, we it never said- meta. We never sent any of those out. They were, I think they might still be in our office in a box somewhere. But you know, you have to, you have to try. You have to support ideas. And uh, even if they're not fantastic ones, or you never know, maybe it was a fantastic one. We just didn't try it. So, so Ian really was the founder of our marketing department, which Megan now heads up. So That's true. Wish you were here. It worked. Maybe it finally worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we can agree it wasn't a good idea. Life. I love I love that it was a postcard of a postcard. As opposed to like I said, it was very meta. And then we were asking a question. It was layers. It was an onion. But I think the other the other thing the other thing we experimented with. Remember, we had no no titles. No one had a title yeah. on their card or even really in their job, and that didn't work particularly well. Well, it worked for the four of us. Yeah, but for everyone else, they're like, "What's you know." How what's do I my, get, what's my role? What's my role? Well, it's also challenging when people are like wanted to get promoted from nothing to nothing. 
yeah. It, was, it was a bit hard. Yeah, they can't maintain that flat organization forever. It's true. Yeah. I think that that's something a lot of startups try. The like no title. I at one point, I think my first job, my name was just Insights Champion, mm. which doesn't mean anything. Um, no one, <laughs> no one knows what that is. Um, but it it helped with the flat structure. Um, we also, I mean, we went through the startup phase. We had the foosball tournaments in the office. We had a basketball the ping table. Ping pong table. We had a basketball net. Um, and then the people, you know, people would be hard at work, and then all of a sudden, one guy would come over and just start playing basketball. And you're like, you know, with all the with all the sounds and everything going off, and we scoring a point. You're like, what are you? Doing? You know. So, anyways, it didn't. It lasted, but it. We realized we grew out of that phase. We had to grow out of that phase. And then the Nerf wars. Like Sorry, go ahead. And then the Nerf wars, the Nerf gun wars in the office, and so oh. somebody who we named shot someone else in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It wasn't. It was one of the four of us who shot him in the eye. By the way, yeah, it was an uh, yeah, it was an unintended injury, but the injury had put a stop to the Nerf gun war. The eye turned out to be just fine. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. I'm glad the listeners will be happy to hear that no one lost an eye. In no one lost an eye. Nerf gun. No, we haven't but. lost anybody since the tasting menu from Seven <laughs> <laughs> Eleven. Oh, I love that. Um, okay, so tons of fun memories. I think when we'd initially decided to do this episode, we talked about specific kind of inflection points of growth um, or meaningful moments that you guys have had over the last 12 years. Is there anything that comes to mind for you um, that really speaks to, you know, I knew that this was going to work or I knew that we were really moving in the right direction. Um, Dom, not to put you on the spot, but I'll kick off with you. Good question. I mean, I can I can think about some big projects we've won over the years where it's okay. We're now really competing with some some of the big established companies, and we were able to beat them. Um, I, I actually think for me, it was this. It wasn't a specific point in time, but it's like in the early days, it was really hard to convince people to come work with us because we couldn't promise that we'd pay them every two weeks. Although we did, we never missed a paycheck. But people were taking a bit of a gamble on us, and we we had a couple of mishires early on, but. We reached a point where we started to realize that all these amazing people in our relatively small industry were hearing about the work we were doing and they wanted to be a part of it. And to me, that was a real sign that we'd actually created something worthwhile, that people were coming to us and asking if there are opportunities. I mean, the, the very first job we posted for a, a VP, um, Marcy Conan, who's now an executive vice president at Diggs, amazing, being with us for 10 years. She called me and said, so what are you looking for in this role? And I said, you, Marcy, like you, you're the perfect person for this. And when someone of her caliber reached out to us when he was, was interested, I knew we, we'd passed that, that startup-ish phase and we actually had something meaningful. That's awesome. That's so cool. I didn't know that story. And I know that she's been with us for so long, so. And it, and it continues to this day. It's, it's a lot easier for us to, to recruit people now because they want to be a part of what we've built here as opposed to trying to convince them that this is a place they should take a, take a bet on. Paul, what about you? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, God, there's so many, it's like, it's weird. There's, there's so many points, I think, throughout this last 12 years that I could say are inflection points or it's also just us feeling like the world is spinning and just kind of dealing with everything that's going on. I, but I, you know, I, I look back on 
you know, some of the, the, the memories of even just having our strategy offsites where we, you know, and there's, there's been many um, where we've kind of thought about what the next five years looks like and what that growth might look like and how, and actually how accurate we were in, in forecasting what our growth could look like. But the one in particular, when we said, you know, we made a, a strategic decision as a management team to basically invest in technology and make sure that we opened up a Chicago office. And I think that in 2016, when we, when we had that offsite and we came to that conclusion and, you know, I remember it wasn't just the four of us, we had the full management team there. You know, we had Patricia and Corey and Elizabeth and Kevin and a number Robin and a number of our, our uh, VPs who are still with us today. Um, part of that conversation and helping us get to that point where we all agreed that those were the big initiatives. And, you know, we fast forward now, another six years, we have a uh, you know, growing and stable US office, you know, that's already around 15 people. We've got an amazing technology offering and SaaS platform uh, that we've, you know, spent a ton of time and energy on that is, you know, first class and just amazing uh, technology. And I think, had we not had that, that come to that consensus back in 2016, I don't know that we would be here today. I thought you were going to mention the offsite where the four of us went to the Scandinavian spa in Collingwood, and <laughs> that, that was, that was also, that, that's a different point. kind of an inflection. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was more the reflection that, that happened as a result of that. I, I am pretty pale. Yeah. Ian, Michael, anything to add there? I mean, for me, it was two. There was two moments where I thought like we'd gotten we'd figured out the right direction. I think the first one, and I'm actually going to credit Michael with, with probably both of these, but I think the first one was uh, we realized that like portfolio optimization with discrete choice, that really was something unique that we could do that, you know, was highly analytical that other companies couldn't easily do. And we were competing in a different way. I think when we first started doing that, I, I thought, yeah, this is it. This is, this is the right direction finally. Cause you know, we were doing a lot of what everybody else was doing at the very beginning, trying to come up with some unique things, but that was truly unique and we were actually doing it better and we do it better now than we did it then. But even then we were doing something better than what other people were doing. And then I think the second one was when we were having these brainstorming uh, sessions around methodologies and, uh, and, and Michael came up with, with what's now upside in terms of why aren't we just doing like swiping like Tinder? Why aren't we just, why are we doing all these other questions? And, uh, you know, it's been through multiple iterations. I mean, at one point it was in the app store. It was in the Apple app store. That was the wrong direction. And it took us a long time to really nail it, but we knew that the underlying idea there uh, had substance. And I think those were, to me, those were two really big inflection points in terms of direction and and knowing that we were on the right track. Yeah, I was actually going to say similar to what Ian said. The first real inflection point to me was was the discrete choice, and I don't want to take too much credit for that. It was actually a client that pushed us in that direction. They literally just came to me and they said, uh, "You know, in the U.S., they've done this study. What do you think?" And I looked at it and I was like, "Oh, it's a conjoint. We can do conjoint." And it it wasn't a conjoint. I won't get into the technical details. Dominic's laughing because I once corrected a client question in a conference, like in front of the entire audience of like 300 people. She's like, oh, I like your conjoint. And I was like, well, it's not a conjoint. So anyways, leaving that aside, first, so first of all, anyone listening that's looking for general business and life advice, don't correct clients in front of 300 people, just roll with it. 
probably she never she never worked with us she's like i like your content i want to work with you i was like it's not a content and then she never worked with us so, <laughs> so that was a good learning um, we need to but, get we need to get michael you know at the exhibit booth talking <laughs> talking to people i think you'd be yeah <laughs> you'd I, I was well. like you're stupid but i still want to work with you and surprisingly she didn't want to work with us but but uh, anyways leaving that aside so i was like oh it's a content we can do that and it wasn't and we sort of pivoted, we figured out what it was. We found a team of people who could do that, who had skills that we didn't at that point have. We now have those skills, but at that point we didn't. But I guess the point, like the general positive advice beyond don't make people look stupid that I'd say for people for their, their own careers is really listen to your clients because they'll push you in different directions. And even if it's something you can't do now, maybe you can learn how to do that. Cause they're saying to you that there's demand in the market and I don't know how to fill this demand. There isn't a company saying that we're experts in this could you become an expert in that? And, and we did with Discrete Choice and it, it worked really well for us. Good takeaway. I'll, <laughs> I'll make sure to keep that in the podcast because it's, uh, it's good advice. I mean, if we fast forward to where we are now, um, I've only been with the company for a year now, um, but we've managed to you know, create or relaunch these new visual brands. Um, we've got a brand new look and feel, which um, we're all really excited about internally. I wanted to kind of touch on, you know, the why behind that. So why do you think 2021 last year was a good year to kind of think through our brands and what they mean to us and how upside and dig insights as brands kind of visually speak to each other? Um, Michael, because you were involved in that, I'm going to, I'm going to let you start us off. Yeah, sure. And, and anyone else again, feel free to jump in. Um, so it all began a little bit organically. So we had created the Dig Insights website, I don't know, I'm gonna say around 2016, somewhere around then. And like any website, it sort of been built and then it had sort of morphed and Frankensteined itself into where it was back in, in 2021. It wasn't looking great, it wasn't functioning great and it didn't reflect the company that we'd become. So it didn't talk about our qualitative research. It didn't have a good integration between Dig Insights and Upside and we wanted the two brands to be aligned. And then similarly, the Upside website was, was much newer, but we hadn't put a lot of content into it uh, and it didn't relate to the Dig Insights website. So we said, all right, could we, re, could we rebuild the website? And so that's where it started. It's just like me just madly writing content a bit aimlessly. And we were working with our internal team, the team that works on Upside and trying to get them to like on the side, build this website for us. And it wasn't going very well because A, they didn't have the resources. And what we also realized through that is we didn't have the resources to really talk about the brands in the right way. We had started sort of at the end point, which is the website, as opposed to starting at the beginning, which is the brands. So we realized that we needed to take more of a strategic look at our brands. And that's when we, I went to an agency friend of mine and he recommended Craft & Crew. Craft & Crew in turn recommended uh, Focus Lab, who helped us on that sort of brand strategy piece. And, and we sort of backed into to being where we needed to be. And then we started from the beginning and then ended up where we are. And what do these new brands, like, how do you guys feel about them? Is, you know, what about them is under, how am I, how am I trying to say this? Why do they look different? Like, do you feel like we've changed internally as, you know, as an organization and we wanted to look in and to look different or sound different um, come 2021, 2022, or, um, you know, what was, why was a, rebrand or relaunch of our brands kind of required. I mean, I think Michael's kind of 
talked about some of the you know reasons behind why in terms of just you know obviously the it, we needed a time to update everything but i mean i think what i what i really like about the this this refresh uh, on, on both brands is that i think it's a lot more representative of who we are as a company not just in terms of what we do and that link between our you know our consultancy and our technology offering but it really just represents the almost the people that work at dig like it's it's really smartly put together. It talks about the, you know, the, the insights that we're there to try to uncover. It really highlights the strength of our team that we've been able to build up and who make up really make dig uh, an awesome company to work at. And, and I think that just, that comes through in just the design, the, the case studies, the, the content, the, the technology piece, I think just, it just is a much more of better representation who we are as a company. And I think when you look at this, you get that feel of, you know, this is a great company. I can tell it already by looking at it, it's probably full of amazingly smart people and it is. And, uh, and that work, I think it's just, it just translates really well on this new look. Awesome. Anything to add, Dominian? I mean, I mean, from my point of view, I think it was really, we struggled a long time <laughs> with, relating to brands, relating dig and upside. And it's like every company, uh, you know, there's a lot of companies in our space that have gone through the complexities around how do you deal with the tech side of your business. And the reality is that like things have history, right? And so, you know, the, the reason why upside was first a separate brand was because we wanted it to be an app in the app store. I mean, that was the, the, the origin, the, the, the origin of that was about requirements from an app store point of view. Um, and so I think it, then it evolved from that. And then, you now have, you build equity in something and do you walk away from it? And, and so I think it forced, like, like a lot of things, it forced us to, even though the, the, the end point is tangible and it's these, it's great new brands and great, you know, great new websites, the process of getting there had as much value as the, as the end, because we finally have more clarity on how the brands relate to each other and, and and what they mean and you know dig is the company upside is a product i mean all of those things that seem obvious once you get there and i think that's when you know you've got a good answer is it seems obvious but it wasn't obvious at the beginning and so i think i think that's a lot of what this process brought and that's why i'm really happy with the end uh, the end state i think that's such an important point because um, you're right, it does feel way more obvious the way that we talk about both now. Um, and I remember when we started the project, we were trying to figure out like, is it one website? Is it two websites? Like, how do we want to approach this? So um, that's a great point. Anything from you, Dom? I don't have much to add. I agree with everything the guys have said that you've said there. Um, yeah, I think also we, I had an old hoodie with the old logo on and it was really threadbare and I needed a new <laughs> hoodie. So now I've got a cool new sweatshirt. With oh yeah. For anyone listening, Dom's wearing our new swag. We've got a brand new sweater. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're about to wrap up. I just have one more question for you guys. Um, so in terms of, you know, we talked about the new brands being more representative of where we're going as an organization and the people that that currently work with DIG. Um, if we look into the future, do any of you have any sort of educated guesses about what we're gonna see in the next few years within the industry? Um, 
Ian, why don't we start with you from like a SaaS research perspective? What do you expect to see a little bit more of within that space? Yeah, I think I think what's interesting is this this whole idea of DIY versus automated, and and this continues to come up as a theme, which is that um, you know a lot of companies have come into our space, like the last count on InsightPlatforms.com. Uh, there, I think it was over twelve hundred, like went over the 1200 mark in terms of DIY platforms. I'm using air quotes, uh, which doesn't make sense on the radio, but air quotes. Uh, <clears throat> and the radio reality, life. well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> in case you also were a podcast, in case you weren't, in case you didn't know, I'm old. Just in case <laughs> there was any confusion. I think Paul tried to make yeah. that clear earlier. So he got his second yeah. dig in there. Well, thank you for faxing me the agenda, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, the DIY versus automated. And, and where, what that really means is, you know, automated has a lot of problems around flexibility, which is exactly what people, you know, the reason, one of the reasons why Upside, why Dig was so successful at the beginning was because we were able to be more flexible than a lot, a lot of the large companies that wanted to scale methodologies. And the same thing has now happened in the DIY space or the automated space where people don't want fixed methodologies that they that are inflexible, that are easily scalable for the platform, but not meeting the need of the individual company. So that doesn't really fully meet the need. And on the other side of the spectrum, um, you know, DIY needs a lot of service. And a lot of the companies that have come into this space were tech first. They don't, they're not researchers. They don't have research staff. They have to build a research staff. And I think, you know, we built our platform in the way that we're servicing our platform in a very conscious way, which is that we are, you know, DIY with an automated capability. We are, we are market researchers servicing a platform. We don't, fall victim to either one of those those traps and i think that's the future i think it's down the middle it's we can automate your methodology that suits your specific need and you can get that serviced by market researchers who know how to help you um and so i think that i think i think that's the i think we're the future megan i love that <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. love it um i mean I, I tend to agree with you what about dom paul michael any Anything to say about like consulting? Because it sounds like what Ian is saying is that, you know, maybe there is going to be just more, oh my God, am I about to say the word synergy? Um, maybe there's going to be more synergy or um, more like working together from a consulting versus technology um, perspective and not going to be so siloed. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I mean, listen, just to kind of build on what Ian was saying about automation, I think there's, you know, there's, to me, there's a, there's a couple of key things in terms of the evolution of the industry that's happening over the next couple of years and automation is obviously one part of it, but it's not just so much automations in terms of finding efficiencies or synergies. It's also automation um, in a sense of, you know, access to data, the, you know, people are inundated with data, the, the access to information and consolidating that information and trying to drive insights out of it. Um, even access to people to be able to actually do the work. I mean, right now we're in a, you know, we're, we're, it's so hard to even find talent to actually, you know, to hire now. Automation is going to become even more important because we just, we just don't have the people to actually execute the work. And so automation overall for our industry, it's going to be a mix of get, yeah, being more efficient and getting things done quicker, but also in a sense, 
trying to drive and understand insights out of the accumulation of so many different data points. And I think that's where, you know, we also see the consulting uh, playing a, a significant role is trying to help, you know, companies understand and make sense of all this information. What is it actually saying? Uh, how is it actually going to drive choice for the consumer? Uh, how do we actually link something from, you know, you know, someone thinking about an idea all the way to what happens after that product is launched and showing that ROI. And I, I, I do think there's a role for both the consulting side and obviously our tech side, not just in terms of what Ian was talking about, you know, for automation and being able to service our, our clients on, on our platform, but just to even make sense of the amount of data that our clients are gonna just be, you know, exposed to over the next several years. Anything to add, Michael, Dom? I would echo what Paul and Ian are saying about the importance of consulting of those 1200 platforms that Ian mentioned. So many of them are just about going faster and cheaper. And I think that that third leg of quality, like doing it better often gets lost without the consulting. And I think a big, the consulting is so integral to what we do, whether we're doing the projects fully for our clients or we're helping clients who are using the platform. And I, I think like the best tools in the world, if you, if you don't know how to use them, like I can go to Home Depot after work today and buy every woodworking tool they sell. I wouldn't be able to build a bookshelf, you know, but so you need people who know how to use the tools so I can, can to find out what is the right answer. Because honestly, these tools without the consulting, you can make some terrible wrong decisions. So I think companies that, don't want the consulting, don't want the services because they're trying to get some tech valuation. I think that's a very short-sighted view of things. The other very real challenge is just as Paul said that we struggle to hire and every consultant who struggles to hire, hire our clients are struggling to hire. So they don't have an access of people who can run these studies. They, they are themselves so strapped that they really do need answers. And I think that's one of the ways that if you think we're competing against 1200 REST tech platforms, one of the ways in which we're competing is by being more flexible, of course, as Ian said, but also being more focused on delivering those answers as opposed to just delivering a tool, delivering the, act, the answers that the clients need. Thanks so much, guys. This has been so fun for me. Um, I mean, I think it's always great to hear about where a business kind of comes from or the roots of a business, but I mean, I, I know I'm only speaking for myself, but it's a, it's a great place to work. So it's a really cool, experience to get to sit with four founders of a business and learn about kind of how it all began even if that includes a puppy taking a dump in the <laughs> middle of your basement michael um <laughs> so thanks so much i will wrap it up here and um tune in to dig in next week thanks for tuning in this week Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights and don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.